Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I am your host, D-Palm. Follow me on Twitter at D-Palm66. Follow the show on Twitter at U-D-Pod. Follow the entire MTR network at, you guessed it, the MTR network. You found us. Don't you dare lose us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe everywhere you get your podcasts. For free 99, I am excited today because Georgia played Vanderbilt, and I don't want to talk about it because if Brock Bowers is actually hurt, then the season's over. And that's fine. I'm great. This is good. I'm locked in, ready to talk about everything else in the world. And fortunately enough, we have an actual professional voice to talk with us. Now, if you've listened to the podcast the last few weeks, it feels like I'm collecting the like North Carolina sports media infinity glove. But we're getting one more stone today. The brightest gym of them all, Lauren Brownlow, how are you doing? Oh, wow. That's high praise. Thank you. I'm I'm pretty good. Yeah. I mean, listen, we're not used to North Carolina football in general being relevant, like maybe this late in the year. So, you know, it's it's new for us too, honestly. It's interesting because like very funnily, <laughs> I was almost, Felder and I were recruiting visit, recruiting weekend away from each other. We were both recruited to go to UNC, but at another recruiting visit, I was, rest, I was going for wrestling and I got to stand at the center court at the Dean Smith Center and the Coach K court in the same day. And I'm like, that's the closest I'll ever get to caring about ACC football, really. And now here we are. We're like, it's the Barky matchup. Also, Nat is here. Um, so. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. 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 Also, Nat like, is here. Wow. And, and we were moving on to the top. I don't see what the problem was. You know what? I'm going to let you have that one. I'm going to let you Thank have you. that one. Thank you. That's important. That's really, that's really kind of you. I appreciate that. Um. Lauren, do you watch the challenge? Oh, yes, very much. <laughs> okay, Lauren, so our friend here is behind. He's stacking the season. He hasn't watched one thing this season, so I can't spoil things. I will say this. How do I dress this up properly? The it's person hard, I like right? The... I have a hard time texting Nato about this because I can't spoil him. It's so hard. The person I like the least went home this week, and it was the funniest episode of the challenge I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's completely fair. Okay, it was, fair enough. Yeah, it was funny, and the elimination though was a bit of a like itself was a letdown we, the way oh, it played we, out. We, before you got here, we were talking about the next season because it's on MTV again, which means yeah. far looser insurance concerns, and like we're going to a yes. country that doesn't really have EMTs. So like next season's going to be fantastic. Also, like the goss is that there were a ton of amazing fights that just aren't being shown because, you know, CBS. So we'll get that kind of energy back next season as well, I think. Oh, gosh, you're like, see, this is what my wife does. She goes and like goes to the uh, Challenge Extended Universe. I'm hearing things from yes. like, did you read this Twitter comment? I'm like, come on, man, let me, let me kayfabe some of this. Let me just have the show for the show. But I appreciate the information. <laughs> now I got to seek it out myself um so there's another london game apparently happening right now yeah yeah apparently it's a lot this year it's well jacksonville they aren't home games they're looking for places to live uh this is it's the ravens and who titans oh what yeah okay we're not sending our best our best for sure (laughs) our best or our brightest um no all right, let's start local for you guys. Lauren, I want to ask you this just because it's been bugging me. What's going on with Bryce? Like, is this – I I think Bryce is a thing. I, I have a very ingrained opinion of him, but then, like, I, I watch the results and I watch some of the news out of Carolina, and it feels like they're like, we missed here. And is that really the case, or is it just kind of a sea of people wanting to have a thing be true? Stop rubbing your hands together. 
<laughs> this is not fair not no i mean i think like as far as like whether they missed on him i don't know how anyone can know that yet considering what he has around him considering the types of plays they're calling which that's been the most baffling part to me this is like in the preseason we were watching their offense it looks vanilla and they keep being like oh well this isn't our offense but seemingly it is and now it's like more vanilla i, I just don't understand exactly what it is they're doing i don't know how they're trying to set him up for success I'm really just not seeing it. So I don't know if he's going to work or not work based on what we've seen, because I don't think they're putting him in a position to like be successful, you know, and I don't know how they change that either because of their personnel. They've got a, a fantasy bench lineup of skill position players. Those guys are guys you don't start or, or flex. I said bench or flex. That's what I call those guys. You don't, those aren't your first string starters in a fantasy no. league. Like, cool, you got your upgrades, I guess, if you want to call it that. But, like, they're not really. Like, none of those are guys you would start in a fantasy league. And none of those are guys that the Panthers want to have to rely on to, you know, get yards. It's not good. What's weird to me is this, is this like year four of Tepper? Five? Yeah, too many, whatever it is. Six of Tepper. I just feel like if you're going to bring in this draft pick, you'd want to feature the draft pick. It feels like a lot of what's happening in Chicago with Fields and the inability to, one, put talent, but like you said, two call plays. All right, Bobby Heenan, I saw you rubbing your hands together. Tell me what you think about <laughs> It's not even Rice. It wasn't even me. I was waiting no, for No, he knows me. what I think. He's waiting for <laughs> exactly. me to go Exactly. Yeah. That's what no, I was I well, the thing is, you hit on it with Tepper, though, right? Like, that's that's the issue is, like, you got an owner who's one of those owners now, and it's become clear that, like, thinks he knows better football. Like, he's played some Madden or whatever, and he, he, wa he wants to be the big, important football man that makes all the important football decisions. Like, dude, just please leave it to someone else. I'm sorry. Just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you're smart. Like, well, over and over, we learn that. That's a larger macro. That's one of the fun things that my wife was never a sports person growing up. So like getting to know me and like my sports friends has been interesting for her. She's like, why do you, like watching Katie Nolan on Jeopardy? She's like, why do you guys know everything about everything? I go, because sports touches it all. Sports yeah. touches politics and economics and all this stuff. And the larger macro issue of rich man thinks he knows more because he made money is affecting the rest of the world. Meanwhile, sports folks are like, yeah, that's yes. This is, this is. Yeah, we've been is, here. <laughs> you call him Elon Musk, we call him James Dolan. It's the same guy. And Cam so, Snyder, you know, like whoever, fill in the oh Jerry gosh. Jones. Oh, but they all, that's the thing is Jerry Jones, they all want to be Jerry Jones. Yeah. J Jerry Jones doesn't win much. Exactly. No, I mean, and they all think they know. Like, that's the thing. They, all the owners think they know. And the ones that get like this and start like wanting to make the football, and it seemed like they wanted to pick Bryce because of vibes which I also didn't love. Like that was kind of the stories I, I was reading. It was like, Nicole and David Tepper just really got a great feeling about him. I'm like, well, okay. I mean, he seems lovely, but uh, I'm not drafting on vibes, man. Like, why are we doing this? Do they not Let's know not how those stories of like inspired owner turns out? Like, in, we laugh at you when this story comes out. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's, there's yeah. also the S2 test though. Remember, there was that S2 test where Stroud apparently didn't do well. So we, we're going back to the new age wonder look and standardized testing, holding again, using that as a, I would say, bludgeon against a, another athlete. And we've seen that not necessarily work out for people in the past during the draft. So there's that portion of this too. Well, another thing about that is, and that's always tough because yes, standardized testing is stupid and wonder look is dumb. But when I was an agent, I would use anything as a, as a cudgel to try to beat down someone else. So like this, 
right. yes, that's what's happening. But also, that's kind of the point. Yeah. That's why they do it. Yeah. Um, let's stay local for you guys. Not a Miles Bridges, man. We talked about this two weeks ago. Like it wasn't funny then. It's mm-hmm. not funny now. How there's a standing? What, I believe this has been. He violated the protection order. What, like six months ago? He violated. Okay, so let's get the te- let's get the. Yeah, Nada on. knows this really well, actually. So yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. So he violated the. So he the the no contest. He pleads that out. I believe November. Right. January. There's an arrest warrant in Mecklenburg County for essentially him violating the order of protection via communicating through Netflix with his with his ex, the mother of his two kids via Netflix. Apparently, they had never served this one, which in itself brings its own set of right. questioning. Now we go to, and now that we've had this entire story fleshed out, Apparently, on October 6th, there was an incident at Bridges House where there were billiard balls being thrown at Michelle Johnson, Miles Bridges' ex, uh, car. She alleges it was Miles Bridges. And And the kids are in the car, right? Kids are in the car. Yeah. Kids are in the car. And then the current girlfriend of Miles Bridges comes up kicking the door and everything else like that. I do want to bring all of this up. I do want to mention the girl, the current girlfriend, because, and mind you, and in a lovely addendum to this story, Miles Bridges was seen at the practice facility yesterday before they went to Oklahoma. Yes. Practicing, getting shots up in the post, post shoot around, post, uh, post uh, practice shoot around. Now, I do want to point out that because there aren't charges filed, it's only the criminal summons, that legally he's allowed to be there. Okay. I put a lot of this, I put a lot of him being seen there on the Hornets because that's, yeah, like, okay, you just, that's fair. you gotta, like, if you're the Hornets, you can't allow him to be photographed there. He can go, no. he can go get his shots up at the gym. He cannot be photographed at all. In no. that port. The other thing about that, and this is the thing that I'm, wor- this is the thing I'm worried about. One, I was told by a friend there was no way the Hornets should not have known about that, or the league should have known about that. When, especially when you had a reinstatement uh, hearing for Miles Bridges, I want to say in April, and this when he got the ten in- games to start the season. Yeah. Okay. When he got the ten game suspension, that should have been factored in. That should have been yes. because I. Because there's no way that the league shouldn't have known about it. There's no way that the Hornets shouldn't have known about it. Correct. There's that portion of this. There's also the portion where I think they're not so quietly saying that Michelle Johnson isn't necessarily a credible witness. And I think that's why you kind of saw. So, like, Miles I'm Bridges. glad I, I'm this is one of the reasons I want to talk to you about this, because you did a very good job of illustrating the responsibility that's been abdicated by the team. I want to take it outside of like a kind of that arena for a split second here. Yeah. These things don't de-escalate. No. No. We have studies and anecdotal evidence and open a newspaper. When you 
I'm frustrated because this is a story we've read before. This is a story we know. And it doesn't end well. It's a story we've known in this market. Oh, God, yeah. No, you know that's what I'm saying? Like, this is yep. not like, you can't this say, oh, we never expected. No, man, this happened here. Yep. And so for me, it's, and I go, part of it's my cynicism. Why would you expect a corporation to do anything right? I get that. That's, I, I understand. I can intellectually understand that and still be morally disgusted. I reserve the right to do both. And that's where we are here. We're at a place of moral disgust because, and I'm not saying that, you know, there's a clear answer to say, oh, you take away his livelihood and because that creates right. other stressors that create other problems. I am saying that saying, not our problem anymore is definitely not the right way to handle it. The problem is it's never victim focused, right? It's that you're never you're never going to the woman and asking, what do you need from us? Like, what do you and your family need to stay safe? What is going to work best for you all in this situation? How can we help you? Half the time you hear about incidents like this and sometimes they don't even talk to the women involved. Right. Like it's it's right. insane. And that is what my biggest issue with it is because I know it's complicated and it's not as simple as just saying like, let's kick him out of the league in a lot of cases, you know, for so many reasons. And so it's like, okay, work with the person involved here and figure out what she needs. And, you know, Nada, you can talk about that maybe too, if, if like I, you I think, think. I think specifically <laughs> before you speak to that, what you said there is person. And that's what the big shift in the last, call it 25 years, has been the thing we talked about earlier is the less of viewing of these athletes as people and more of them as commodities or yep. resources. Yeah. We heard, we saw it big last week with the, um, with Drew Holiday and his wife giving that statement about getting traded and how these are people. And it, I know, I understand that when you, you, you move a certain amount of capital, you start, you have to, you have to dehumanize them to, to do kind of the marketing stuff they do. You have to dehumanize these people to talk about them in fantasy terms. You have to, you, there's no way to do it otherwise. I stopped yeah. playing fantasy. 10 years ago, because I was like, I found myself doing it in the language. I was like, I don't like the way I sound when I yeah. talk about these yeah. things. I just yeah. don't enjoy it. So now let's talk. Let's, let's go back to what Lauren just said, though. The lack of victim focus. And yes, there's going to be someone who's a craven piece of shit listening to this podcast. Stop listening. Who says, well, they should be caring about their employee and their money. You're wrong. Your morals are bad. Please find something else to do with your life. But I ask you right now, what is reasonable to ask of these people and to kind of say, hey, why can't we see them as a victim and without pointing to saying money, money, money? I would I would honestly tell you that at this point, my bigger issue is why aren't we doing due diligence? Because yeah. it's very clear due diligence has not been done. Because the first thing that you hear, like like quite literally, the first thing the Hornets told almost everybody is hey january the january warrant was a surprise to everybody which mind you it can't be it can't be just, just it can't it, be exactly because you're either yeah. incompetent or evil pick one now mind you i'm I, I would lean to the former more than to the latter and we're like i say this as an anecdote there is going to be a 30 for 30 about the end of end, ending years or the ending year and change of Jordan and how that ownership thing went down because there's a lot of stuff that's clearly lapsed in that building and to mm. the point where I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. 
because the fact that there is appears to be at least no relationship between the Charlotte Hornets and Charlotte Charlotte PD like CMPD is a very very alarming sign because yeah. normally every franchise you know has a has a decent working relationship with the police to where if there is a warrant around for somebody's arrest yeah they let you know they let you know the fact that, that, I mean, that then, they then you get back into like local politics and how grimy that is mm -hmm. and it's like oh did they did they issue a warrant and pocket it and say we're holding this till next time then it don't screw up again these there's all, so many different ways it could yep. play out mm -hmm. this is not the story the nba wants on the front page as a kick off the season on 10 24 um but it's the story that's there and i'd be disingenuous to sit here and talk about how the hawks are throwing on the preseason without mentioning that um especially when the hornets play the hawks first game of the year oh boy oh I had no idea. Um, go try. Uh, that being said, basketball is happening right now. It's a reason I'll be missing the early games in the NFL today. The WNBA Finals uh, look could be ending at 3 p.m. We could have a sweep on our hands. Now that you know this is my first season with uh, Dream Season tickets, I could not. It was the best decision we made this entire year, not barring the child. Um, we couldn't go to all of them, obviously, at the end when Susan was nearly to have the kid. But we had a great time every time we went. Is there any hope for this super team, or is it just another one that we get to laugh at? I think this is one of those we get to laugh at. I think it ends. But I also think that if we're going to do this, and this is be, this would be my thing. Last year, they won it, and Asia Wilson was not the face. It was Kelsey Plum. I hope we learn our lesson. As, as Kelsey Plum was saying, I shouldn't be the face. Exactly. Spent all, <laughs> literally spent every, like, last waking moment before the finals, like, do not make me the face. And then yeah. what happens? Google happens, and she's the face. Not Asia Wilson. Like, I hope we make her the, fa I, I hope we make Asia Wilson the face this time. I have my doubts. Mm -hmm. I, I think it'll be a whole lot more Kelsey Plum, especially since Kelsey Plum now lives in New York with her husband, Darren Waller. Um, I have i have concerns like we're gonna they're not gonna learn their lessons because the wnba foolishly tries to appease to white men and market to white men and be like hey this sport's cool too no it, it, it's not how you market it you look at the at like a place like the nwsl where you promote in a way that's like hey this is cool these women are these women are awesome athletes and they deserve their own merit and my, meanwhile the nwsl is thriving and expanding at an exponential rate can and, i say a thing i'm gonna hate myself for what you're using the example of not the reason they're doing it is because that's what you do historically when yeah. you're a big boy sport mm -hmm. you piece of white men it happened yeah. in the mls i look at the the uh atlanta atlanta was it united yeah the head the the, the the there are billboards and ads and they're always white people in the ad i was just like they don't seem to want me there so i have no intention of going oh. um charlotte yeah. is kind, kind of the same way though. yeah it's no, it's, it's, I mean, those two cities, like these cities are demographically, yeah. it seems wiser to, to askew kind of the, like we saw here with the thrashers when they brought in the all black line, like it worked, the numbers went up. I'm sorry to say it, it happened. And so like for the, for the WNBA to say, oh, we're going to market to white guys. One, you're hundred percent right. It's not how you got there. It's not grassroots, but two, it's also when a business gets to a certain point, this is what they do. They turn yeah. into this. And yeah. it's not the it's not the recipe for growth. It's not how we got there, but it's kind of what it is. Knowing that and seeing the uh, the rumors of expansion, Lauren, I'm asking a lot of you here. 
They're expanding. Uh-huh. They've talked about going to for what is San Francisco area, a place where teachers can't afford apartments. Yeah, and I don't. We all really know get about that. how we pay these players. Lauren, is this them? Because I've I have my doubts. Every time I hear a story like this, I'm like, hey, if you're gonna expand, just expand. Don't talk about it. And when I hear stories like this, I think it's a uh, almost a, a, a test balloon to prove why they can't. Do you think they're serious yeah. about expansion? But when you float, when that's the first place you float, I right. Well, that was the, that was my first thought too. Like when you said that, I'm like, why? That makes no sense. So yeah, like immediately you just you never know though. It's really hard, I think, sometimes nowadays in general to decide whether things whether whether people are making decisions based on incompetence or intentionally. I think sometimes it's hard to know the difference nowadays for real like it just sometimes it's hard to tell the difference if, if someone's be like even like with the Panthers offense something as stupid as that like are they actively sabotaging Bryce Young like you have to at least ask the question sometimes but yeah I mean I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense I think they need to go to places where especially places like where women's basketball is is beloved and I think they still have room to grow in those types of cities for sure but San Francisco ain't one of them sorry no, no. nothing's growing on San Francisco except for more people hiding money in different ways. Okay, let's talk about fun. Let's talk about <laughs> the fun that was college football yesterday. Let's start on Friday night. And we were on here last week with Felder. We talked about what I think Dion's uh, game is. That's why this loss isn't that much of a loss. But I'll to be honest, I have an eight-year-old child here, eight-week-old child, excuse me. I was asleep at 29 nothing. I was like, this is a wrap. We're done here. What am I doing? <laughs> Did either one of you stay up for this game? I stayed up for the comeback, but I fell asleep before the end. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's their okay. fault. We understand. We understand. Uh, I was mad, though. I was trying. Like, they tied it, and I'm like, great, it's going to overtime, and then I fall asleep. Yeah. I, I, we, we salute your service. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. Like, quite, quite literally. Yeah, I was up, and the only reason I was up, because I was getting my hair rebraided the next day morning at 9 a.m which was a really hell of a way to do my saturday morning but i saw it like i was i was at the point of turning it off until i saw that 97 yard touchdown and it was like oh and mine be like oh right colorado defense forgot okay (laughs) paul paul like here's the here's the sad part about this whole thing like when i saw that they the outside like the skill level speed on Stanford, Stanford, mind you, yeah, was not... better than Colorado. I was like, oh, they're about to lose this game. Like, Iomainor had 208 yards going into the game for the season. That's he wild. had 294. 294 yards, like you mentioned, 97-yard touchdown catch. Um, I want like, to talk that's more like, about that's this. like Julio Jones against the Panthers energy for me. Like immediately that when I heard that stat line, that's who I thought of. I still get. I'm so Ooh. glad that a team I used to like can be someone else's boogeyman. They were showing every time they showed Jer, uh, Jerry Rice highlights are always against the Falcons. And I'm always like, well, that oh. he played, he played other teams. I know he did. I've seen the numbers. It wasn't just the Falcons he's beating up on. Um, before I go into kind of my bigger problems with this, I want to talk about another game, Notre Dame beating the ever-living life out of USC. Uh, the same thing that happened to Louisville yesterday, and there's someone who woke up today and said, I watched another game. Let me look at this Notre Dame score. Oh, USC's defense is bad. That's not what happened. 
I cannot stress this enough. The offense failed at every turn, five turnovers, a billion points off of those turnovers. Like, go look at the first downs. Go look at total yards. It makes no sense except for the fact that USC was very cavalier with the football. And I want to say that, like, I look at both these games as kind of the same game because the game that Lincoln and Deion are both playing is I can build this quickly. And the way you build something quickly is you bring skill players with you and you can build it quickly, but it will not be sustainable because you build through a foundation. You build through recruiting linemen on both sides of the ball who are going to be able to protect your nice shiny things back there. Lauren, was that the end of Caleb Williams's Heisman campaign? Because that was not just a big, a big misstep in a big uh, place. It was the world is watching and you fell on I'll your face. You're right. I'll say this for Caleb. I have seen Notre Dame defenses to a quarterback that I cover and think highly of come in and all of a sudden make that quarterback look real pedestrian real quick. Um, Their defense is always going to be capable of making you look like that. But it also, to me, illustrates kind of the difference between like a North Carolina and a Drake Bay team like last year or the year before until this year. You know what I mean? Like they've, they've built in the trenches more. They have an improved defense now. Before, they had a defense that was as much of a joke as USC's has been most of this year. Like, now they've built around that. They've, they've added depth. They can play defense, which USC has had trouble with this year, even though not in this game. But, yeah, like, that's the thing. You play a team like that, and they knock you around a little bit, it'll make it clear real quick, like, where your deficiencies are. Is his Heisman run over? Yeah, but I actually think that has less to do necessarily with just this game and more to do like, with what happened in the rest of his conference, too. Like, combine that game with Oregon-Washington, which was unreal, and, of course, that's going to kind of knock him out in comparison. Now, does this do these two games hurt the model? Because everyone's told me that college will change, that you can do it through the portal now. And every time I see this model, I watch it be unsustainable. I watch it with Mel Tucker at Michigan State after he stole $90 million and then had to give it back because his penis is not his friend. Um, and now we're seeing it here where it's like, oh, oh, we'll have a we'll have a defense in year two. Well, okay, well, and the thing is, and I don't want to lose this, the USC defense played fine yesterday. They didn't play great, yeah. they played fine. They played fine. They played better than they have, but it wasn't like a world leader type thing. My opinion of Dion's goal at Colorado is to either miss a bowl narrowly this year and then make one next year. That way you can show marked improvement. And that way it's all it's always an upward trajectory of a story. Um, if he makes a bowl this year, it becomes a bigger problem next year because how do you increase that story? How do I improve that story to the layman? and say, oh, if you took me to, I don't know, let's just name a school, Florida, and gave me those resources, what can I do here in a year? I think that's that that for me is what his goal is. And while everyone yep. says that I'm being cynical, that's the goal of every college coach, whether they say it or not. The example I always use is that year at Buffalo when Turner Gill was like, I'm staying. And I was like, you fool, you fool. You should have left and gotten paid. I guess my Locally, Jim was, Grobe is a better, yes. is a good example. Uh, the fact that Al Golden was masterminding that defense that did that to Caleb Williams means he better he the the second a good job comes offering him he can't be like no I'm gonna stick it out here at Notre Dame they're going to leave I think Deion's more honest about it Lincoln Riley is kind of the end point but seeing that end point Nada do you think other teams are gonna slow their roll on saying this is the new paradigm this is how we win no this is they're not they're not because the thing is like as we know this is a copycat sport. We have people, if you look at it in the way of just like, think about it as like the finance market. Like this is hedge fund. This is hedge fund football. 
This is the way you're going to build, build quickly, build aggressively. We're not going to show you everything beneath beneath the surface. So of course, yeah. Not. And by the way, on your point about not making a bold, have you seen the last five games on uh, the Colorado I, schedule? I, I was not the yes, I have. Oh, what are they? they? They needed to win that. If they didn't they, win that they, game on Friday, they may oh. not. They're making a bold very, very. No, they're not making a bold. They're not making a bold because I oh, got it in front of you. Yeah, UCLA, Oregon State, yes. Arizona. Washington State, Utah. That's how they end the season. They're done. No Utah's bull, gonna no throw bull. hammers at them. They're gonna have. By the way, Utah is your last game of the year when you already have no depth. Is so mean. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was gonna say I was like, dang. No. And Utah will have already knocked off Oregon or Washington by then. So it'll be Utah great. will be bloodthirsty and crazed with with violence. And you'll be like limping in there with the remnants of Travis Hunter. Let's talk about that for a second. And everyone thought it was a cute story the first couple of weeks. Yeah. I think it yeah. was like 157 snaps on Friday. I don't know if that's an accurate number. It's too many. It's dangerous. No. Yeah. And and by the end of that game, they were picking on him on defense. And guess what? If he wasn't running routes, he might have been fresher on defense. Yes, like I, I've never understood it. I, I've not understood it from the jump. I've never seen a player do it in college. Like, maybe a player's done it, like, that I don't know of recently. I've never seen a player go both players ways do it occasionally. Like, like they this. put in Champ Bailey right. for, like, a series yes. or two. He wasn't, yes. he wasn't stalk blocking. He wasn't yes. in on run plays. And that's the thing, too. Like, think about how much extra, like, running he has to do. It's just wild to me. I'm just like, what? how is this? I, I was marveling at him at first, which I still do, you know, that yeah. he can do that physically. Like, mm -hmm. good Lord. But then at, at a certain point, it has started to become irresponsible a little bit, it, I feel like. And you get to diminishing returns really fast with that because yeah. at the end of that game, he could – that last catch, which was a circus catch and made all the highlight reels – a fresh Travis Hunter probably makes that play. Like, I hate to to do that. And I'm not talking, this is, I want to say this very clear. I'm not talking about the kid. I'm talking about the way they use the kid. Yes, it's about kid, Dion, not about. If you ask a kid, can you do this? Go. He's going to say yes. I joke about this all the time. I played college football. I had zero diagnosed concussions. That number is not true. I know that for a fact. But... <laughs> If you ask me, I would never pull myself out of a game. I was also like yeah. 19 and thought I was bulletproof. So like those two things tend to go hand in hand. And so for me, when I see one diminishing returns, immediate diminishing returns with lack of depth. When I see two, a lack of top end success, because as much as we want to say, oh, look at the, the transfer portal and how they've remade these teams, we called Mel Tucker, king of the transfer portal for doing 15 kids. Dion did 70. Like yeah. the gap is it, it's accelerated so quickly and so untenably that you can talk all the mess you want about the transfer portal. The final four teams this year will be Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and let's find a fourth, probably Florida State. And so. I, yeah, there's a balance there, I think. You right. can't have no transfers like Davo. You can't do that. That's not tenable either. <laughs> You can't have no transfers and have a brain drain on your offensive and defensive side of the ball and not well, replace them yes. and only replace them with people who you like. Like you can't do that. Can't do both. You're right. You are absolutely right. But like I and I think like Florida State has made some important transfer 
like additions and upgrades, but it's also like you said, it's not the whole thing. It can't be the whole thing. You've still got to have recruiting. You still got to build that way. It's not sustainable to just have that. I agree. And I think that might be the true legacy of Deion Sanders is that he made Mike Norvell get serious about it and figure out a way. Because if Colorado comes out four, three and oh, and Norvell comes out and loses, drops too early, those Florida State drums for bringing Dion get real loud real fast. And for me, if I'm Dion, I'm waiting at the Florida job, even though as a Georgia fan, absolutely hate it would not like just unsubscribe do not apply no, i don't want that at all <laughs> but it looks like what might be happening um you mentioned this game already lauren but let's talk about this last week i said that red river was the best college game i'd seen all year nope not anymore it got, off, it got knocked off in one week because washington oregon was just and, and as much as i love michael penix and i love the team out there the fact that bo nix has lived long enough to become someone's hero is disgusting. it's so cool it's no no i Aww. watched him pick grass out of his helmet because it not because they couldn't block because he held the ball too long and made bad decisions and now because he's been in college for 47 years he's evolved in this high Heisman shortlister? What? Bo Nix? No, no. I just, I don't know. I, I, I get caught up in the spirit of it all because like, even when I was watching Oregon, Colorado, I'm caught up in Colorado mania, right? Like I want Colorado to win. It's fun. But the way they played in that game, I was just like, this coach just gives, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here. You are very much so. He gives no fucks. He gives less than no fucks. He gives like a negative amount of fucks. He, he zero, just like, no, no fucks. He will do whatever. He's got huge huevos. I, I respect it. It's fun to watch. I never know what he's going to do. And I love that he made Herb Street admit that you're never forced to do a damn thing on a fourth down. Thank you for admitting that, no, you don't have to punt and you don't have to kick a field goal. Like, stop with this. I love it. I love the way he coaches. It's super fun. I've been trying to explain him to people who are like, what's going on in Oregon? I'm like, if Kirby was like a lot angrier, like what if Kirby was mad like all the time? That's Stan Landing. And um, while Kirby yeah. has his own problems for hiring his friends, as I joked about Dabo, um, Dan Landing's done something in Oregon that I didn't think he could do and turn them into just, we're going to beat you to death. Now, like, I, it was fantastic to watch. The Oregon team was a lot of fun. Those last two throws on Michael Penix is why he's going to win the Heisman and why he should be. <laughs> like, the touchdown like, was stupid. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it was it was something because I've watched them play this year and I thought, oh, they've only got. And this was the first game where I was like, oh, they can really. But then they can also open up that nuke button and say, well, what if we just hit this twice? What if I hit the nuke button <laughs> twice? Because it feels like you're dead if I do that. Like, think about it like this. For someone like Michael Penix came from a place where some folks on this podcast call it a Ponzi scheme. And not only has he escaped it, and he has thrived. He has thrived. I applaud, I applaud a good scheme. Look, hold on, hold on. Me calling the Big Ten a Ponzi scheme is not an insult. It's a recognition of what they've done to inflate their own rankings. Like, I appreciate Okay, I agree. I'm with you. The Big Ten, the Big Ten West. Why we don't know that division by name in ridicule like the Coastal is a complete con. I'm sorry. The Big that Ten West was is... decided yesterday between Wisconsin and Iowa. Like just full stop. Like whoever won that game was going to represent the Big Ten West. And do you remember last year? I think I I coined this like two years ago because at one point Iowa was a top ten team just so that Michigan say they beat a top ten team. I'm like this is ridiculous. We all have eyes. Stop rewarding them for what's happening. This cannot. And that's exactly Delta what happened. Up, yes. Delta brought up a very good point yesterday last week. 
they play the most difficult brand of football. They play that we're not going to score, we're not going to let you score. It is it is by leagues the hardest version of this game you can play. It's wild. And I'm convinced they're doing it on purpose. That's one I'm convinced they're doing on purpose because you can't be that bad in college football. Like, how are you that bad offensively well, on okay, college football? Right, it's not a little Let's play this game because if you, if you know you can't recruit kids to Iowa, you know you're not getting, you're not poaching outside states and it's not a talent rich state anyway, and Iowa State's right there. So you're fighting over a limited talent pool. So if you know the teams you're playing are going to be better than you, more athletic, more explosive, what's the best way to do that? Keep the ball forever, score no points, allow them to score no points. Like that's, I, intellectually, I understand it. I also understand that Washington and Oregon are coming to the league next year and that they're going to blow some poor Iowans mind by scoring a thousand points and a half. They're not the only ones too. I mean, like Northwestern is routinely terrible. Like they're going to blow a lot. I want them to stay to beat Indiana to death. Just to roll in Indiana. And I want them to do like, like Larry did in that three point contest, not even take the sweats off, just beat the hell out of them sweats. Oh, Indiana football is like the long lost ACC team. They're like the most ACC of the big 10. So when you guys get absorbed, you'll feel at home with Indiana. Is that what I'm saying? God. <laughs> I mean, Indiana ain't going anywhere unless they get kicked out. So, oh, well, that's going to happen. That, I'm about to say that's the next step of this: is that all of a sudden you're one double A and you get to play Columbia on Saturdays. Uh, Columbia lost to Penn at homecoming this week. I know everyone was listening to hear mm. my reaction. Very sad. Um, go Lions. Um, Dan Lanning, you mentioned this already. Analytics be Dan or analytics be loved? Like he's such a meathead that him going for fourth down is being like even talked about, but they, the first half, it makes sense. I get it. Um, it's not like you got to score to beat them. Like, that's the thing. You yeah. have to get seven. I understand it. The one at the end of the second half, I also understand because they'd been in that North in that, uh, Washington had been in that kind of, I'm going to just ground and pound you and our defense is playing pretty well. And Dan Lanning, he gambled. He's a defensive coordinator who is possibly the meat, the angriest man alive. And he gambled and it, it didn't work out. I get it. I have no problem with either decision. If I'm on that sideline, I applaud him. Unlike last week, and I know it happened a week ago, but it's still funny. Mario Cristobal is the bad version of this meathead. Like, <laughs> Dan Lennon's a meathead with a calculator who, like, honestly, like, that might be me, which I only talked to my therapist about this week. Um, but Mario Cristobal is just a meathead. Did you? Did anyone see the defensive coordinator get a, 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 a unsportsmanlike oh, yeah. call for running yes. out to the goddamn hash. <laughs> okay, yes. I watched, I rewatched this morning because my friends took me to see the Eras movie last night and I was so mad that no one texted me that that happened. I was like, cause that was so funny. Because for a week people have been like, oh. who's gonna talk down Mario? And the answer is apparently no one. He's just got hype men around him. We're gonna tell him to get angrier and madder. And why would you not, why would you take a knee coach? Hit him in the mouth again. <laughs> Oh my God! Like, what are you doing, dude? It was so bad, One and like the ref was literally. And, and the and the other thing too was like the ref was literally like, "You're good." Like, I'm giving you it, and he was still losing his mind. Like, imagine why they can't handle late game situations, huh? Weird. And then and then they give Cheney, the kid who fumbles last week, after they make this big show about the fact that they're all on board with him and supporting. He gets five carries. I'm like, y'all, come on. And like, this is what like this wasn't his fault. 
But this is where, like, even Mario Cristobal has made his bones on being a great recruiter. And now you know how I feel about recruiting. It doesn't matter till Saturday. Mm-hmm. You're selling. Before that, I'm selling season tickets. I'm selling magazines. I'm selling insider subscriptions to our websites. Like, I'm selling you things by telling you how good our class is. If I'm at home or if I'm being recruited by Mario and I watch these two weeks back to back, you're about to look like not a great recruiter, Mario, because it all it's all curtain. It's all curtain, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Because this was like this was caveman football. Remember how we all thought of Dan Campbell and how he was like, we're going to rip kneecaps off and everything else like that. How, how they thought of Dan Campbell. I looked at his all black staff and was like, Let's let let him finish. Let's see. No, 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 no. Again, that was the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. We again, we thought he was a meathead. Then he started hiring Aaron Glenn and everything else like that. He's a Byron Leftwich away from cat. Like dog, let him finish. I'm like. And and the other thing is, he's collecting compensatory draft picks for elevating minority talent. So like, he's also bettering it from like. Yeah, sorry. I'm a huge Dan Campbell guy. I've thought about like. I love him. I'm like, I'm in. I'm in on Dan. He had me the moment he like cried after they lost like his first year. I'm like, all right, I love this guy. I'm in. I'm all in. There you go. <laughs> like, hey, but that was the thing. Like, Mario Cristobal is, every, we, is everything we thought Dan Campbell to be, and it's going to cost him his job because they're already talking about like firing him. And quite honestly, they should have fired. They could have fired him after the Georgia Tech game. That was justifiable at that point. I would have. Horrendous. Like, horrendous what they did. Inexcusable. I, I think about Georgia Tech one time a year during Georgia, I, and every week, every year, I say the same thing. They still got a program, and I'll be damned if I didn't have to think about them twice this year because of that shit last Saturday. <laughs> it's just like, and then they let that quarterback, him of all people, go straight down. He had more. He had almost. He like equaled his passing yard total in the final drive of the game. It's just, it's all bad. Mario, when's the okay? Besides Mark Rick, when's the last time Miami had a coach though that didn't half the time on the sideline look as if he's in like sheer terror and like not knowing what to do? Because I would say first so, year Randy Shannon, first year. Well, they think, first, well, okay, they that's fair. That, they think that the key to college football is recruiting, and yes, that is and a key to college football. But the key is Saturdays. The key is yes. I had a coach who played for uh, Spurrier. He's a tight end for Spurrier. And we talk all the time because he'd give me shit because I was a Georgia fan. And I was very loud about it. And we're sitting down watching film one day, and I asked him, what was it like to play for Spur? He says, I'm not entirely sure he knew my name. But there was no one I'd rather have calling my plays on a Saturday. Oh, yeah. So whatever situation, guy was cool as shit. He never got flustered. And it was always like, hey, we're going to win this bad boy. Don't you guys Don't you guys worry for a second. And that's what you need. That's what calms talent down is a steady hand. Mario, yes. why haven't you blinked in three quarters, sir? I need you to breathe for me. Like, Wusan is this. I need to exhale. When I think of Miami football in the ACC, I think of, like, Al Golden sweating on a sideline in a white suit looking completely clueless. Like, I think – that's what I think of is, like, their coaches making faces like – not sure what to do now. It's just, it's wild. You you can recruit, but you have to have somebody that can manage a game and you have to have a coach that can teach. Like they still commit stupid penalties constantly. It's been a hallmark. Like they get an unsportsmanlike after a third down stop too. Like that, a player did it, a coach no did it. I mean, it's, the culture of this program 
is the you, but in the bad ways. And it has been for a while. And it's, it's, it's like, come on, y'all, you you should be better than this. The ACC should have kept the damn receipt because like, that's a team that won double digit games routinely before joining the ACC. You know how many times they've done it since? One. Oh, one. one? Yeah, it was a, was it a, Rick, was it a 17. Yes. Yeah. One. For the record, I was the only person in America screaming when they replaced Kirby with Rick. I worked with Kirby. I was like, this coach has brought me the most stable Georgia football of my entire goddamn life. I had Jim Donnan and Ray Goff. How dare you take Mark Rick from me? And it all worked out, but still. Mark was the best was Mark was the best like attempt at confidence they've had recently for sure. I, I think and the thought was like Georgia, you would vi- you would vault from confidence to the next level, but they went from right. confidence to Oh, didn't you used to work here? So, or didn't you play here? And which can't be the resume. That can't be the history you use. Um, that being said, we're talking about the team that got their heads kicked in by Drake May and the um, North Carolina Tar Heels. All right, so we're clear that Tez Walker is Woo. good at football. We know why Man. they wanted him to play. And um, now that I know you know how I feel about the NCAA, Lauren. You can probably guess as a former player as I am. Um, for them to say it's UNC's fault he wasn't playing makes me – if they had someone I could, like, clothesline, like, this is the guy you get to hit. When you're mad at the NCAA, man, I'd have hit him because that was some egregious horseshit. Oh, and, they were totally – yeah, they were totally trying to make it seem like their fault. It was hilarious, but we no, all – They released a statement and said, if UNC had provided this earlier, we would, have, we would not have suspended him. Now, that's ridiculous. Well, it's very funny because we all know the real reason that, like, the the attorney general was like, "Cut the shit." Like mm-hmm. he he wrote a very sternly worded letter that would that involved litigation, and with the NCAA getting bombarded by attorney general, state attorney generals, and especially those with governmental, uh, being the governor, they have governorship uh, aspirations. Mm-hmm. I would tell you that that a lot of this, like. That's why they're going to do, like, the NCAA, maybe we may not have them in about five years. They were also, like, prominent, they're prominent lawyers around here, too, that are you guys that were like, "Uh uh-uh, we have some expertise in this. Like, they joined in and, like, we're trying to bring, like, they don't know what they're dealing with. They united fandom and the fact that, like Nata said, a lot of these people have aspirations for politics. And guess what? There's no better villain than the NCAA. You can, you will make, you'll be a governor based on dunking yes. on the NCAA. You can be a governor yes. on that, 100%. And it's my weekly reminder, guys, that the NCAA does nothing but keep kids unpaid and uh, un, uncelebrated. They have no purpose in college football anymore. The leagues handle it all. They don't handle the playoff anymore. I don't know why they exist, and no one can explain it to me. And I'm waiting for that answer. Let's stay in the ACC. We're in Louisville. Your watch has ended. Thank you for the uh, service of the hell out of Notre Dame last week. Pittsburgh, what the fuck was that? It was because Pitt. Pitt I don't get Pitt. it. Oh well, we, you, it's not for us to understand. <laughs> it's really not. Didn't they? Didn't they make their quarterback a tight end? Yes. Well, yes. they did. They ejected from that, but they did bench him. Because I was like, Pitt, he does okay. not deserve that. Here are some stats from the game. Final score. I'm not gonna tell you the final score. First downs, Louisville 28, Pitt 13. Weird. Total yards, Louisville 430, Pitt 288. Huh. Penalties, Louisville 5 for 25, Pitt 8 for 87. 
Possession. Louisville, 33 goddamn minutes. Final score, 2138 because turnovers three to nothing. Pitt, I don't, what? It's the most this pit thing. It's the most pit thing that has ever happened, honestly. Is it a like, this is what pit does. Yes. Is it pit plus, like, coming off of beating Notre Dame and kind of like the emotional high of we vanquished, we were America's team for a week, now let's go lose to pit? And, like, I mean, if we're being real, I, I'm not, I was, I've never been personally as high on Louisville. I get the schedule is what it is, and, like, they can't help that. So, like, they, if they beat the teams on it, and they will beat most of the teams on it, like, good for them, and they have gotten a lot better. However, like, viewing them as legit, I was not ready for quite yet. I was not ready to assume that they were just going to win all these games that look like on paper they're supposed to. You know, they're not – to me, they weren't there yet as that type of team that you can trust in that way. And, well, yeah. You've crept into my biggest problem with the current era of college football. Um, we don't have that many good football teams left. No. And – I'm well, Nada knows, and and I was the last one screaming the BCS was right and good because if you look at the matchups of the last I guess ten years of it, they were all right and good. You got other teams in these big six bowls, and now we're at a playoff where four teams where we haven't had a school, we have not had one year of this playoff where there were four teams that needed to be there. We had two, yeah. two and a possible every time, and this year we're going to end up with maybe three and a possible, but it's we're expanding to twelve. And I hate to do this to this podcast because I don't care about this. Let's talk about baseball. Oh, because <laughs> a lot of those teams played a grueling, arduous regular season. Yeah. And because they embrace randomness as a sport, as a model, over a celebration of greatness, we now have 300 win teams that are no longer in it. I don't think that's going to happen in football as much. It doesn't happen in football. It happens more of the course of a – series and over one game sample size yeah but the other thing is that like there are weight classes for a reason and yeah air force is a great story they're undefeated if air force had to play georgia yeah it's not yeah the service <laughs> academies there's a very a much lower well, ceiling than a lot of places but also too, like, like you saw it in the in the, in the national title game last year at a certain point there are weight classes for a reason and while like tcu georgia is like fun for me it, i had a ball I can't imagine the nation writ large got anything, learned anything about college football from that. Now that we're going to expansion, I'm going to be upset with it. It's fine. But aside from lining people who aren't playing pockets, can anyone, particularly in a year like this one, make a case for a 12 team goddamn playoff? You can't make a case for four. You can barely make a case for four. <laughs> you know you can, not like, there I'm are actually personally have... okay with four, but because if like honestly, do it for, years, for years like this too, like, you know what I mean? I think it's good for a year like this. Now, do these happen all that often? No, not necessarily. But at the same time, like four is about right because the four is about the number of teams that you could argue would have a chance to win a national championship in reality. Right. Mm -hmm. But many beyond that, no, we're, like and even at the beginning like... of each season, like there's a small list of teams that can do it. And it's not and it's like less than we're 12. giving these kids more scholarships for these games. It's not like we're saying, oh, yeah. here's an extra class for the money you're going to earn us. No, these kids are spending more time out of school, particularly yep. with the expansion of the Big Ten and the fact that we're going to have kids on the West Coast flying. Like, it's going to be a nightmare. Oh, and Dion, I know you're not listening to this because why would you? But if you ever happen to hear this clip, if you're whining about late starts now, 
wait till you see what the Big 12 has planned for you, my friend. You're not getting primetime oh. slots. And also, I'm not sure, like, are we going to have a Big 12 in three years? Because yes. you take Texas and Oklahoma out of that bad boy this year, and that shit gets real light real fast. Well, here's the thing about that. I would say that's why they're going after Gonzaga. That's why you saw news that they're going after Gonzaga, because they're trying to corner the market on college basketball so that when mm. eventually that reshuffles and reshifts, because there's going to, they're going to expand it to 96. Everyone's going to hate it for about a year or two. But when that happens and that landscape reshifts, <laughs> yeah, they, then the Big 12 will have a market, assuming assuming the ACC dissolves by then. And that's not necessarily a guarantee either. Long-time listeners, it's been 267 episodes. I've been able to keep the scourge of college basketball away from this podcast, and that has finally found its way in. That's, uh, I mean, I, I honestly, like, it's just, it's weird to see a conference, like, be proactive in a way that makes sense for them in this landscape, you know? I haven't yeah, seen it where, yeah. I haven't <laughs> seen it where I'm at, so, in well, my opinion... You say proactive and you say, well, the ACC was proactive. They were just wrong. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that's where I think the Big 12's bet's going to be wrong because I think that outside of March Madness, the money ceiling on college basketball is nowhere near college football. Well, the money's always going to be. The disparity is going to be the biggest is, yeah, issue, yeah. regardless with everyone who's not in those two leagues right now. Like, it doesn't really even – I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you're at 30 or well, – I mean, you know, it's just not enough. Whatever it is, it's not enough. The disparity is too much. And I would also point this out because this is probably on the table. The TV companies will be like, we'll give you a lot more money if we get rid of the the, uh, the small schools and do a big conference only NCAA tournament. I can see that. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought this uh. up. Vanderbilt University. <clears throat> Did anyone watch the Georgia game besides me? I watched a piece no, of it. Sorry. I knew better than to be fooled by the early score. Half of that stadium is currently under construction. There are high schools in Georgia that play in better stadiums. What the hell is that, Vandy? Speaking of teams that are going to be run out of the conference. You yeah. sound like FSU talking about Duke forever when well, they have the track and everything. <laughs> and Clemson this year, actually. Remember, Dabo complained about, about Wallace Yeah, Wade. the locker rooms. Uh-huh. The, lo- um, the long walk. So, what are we going to do at College Station? Because I, at last count, there was almost 80 teams better with better records than Texas A&M right now in uh, FCS football. And they just got, lost a very uninspiring game to Tennessee. Oh, my God. What and You know, it's so weird. Who saw any of this? coming like it's Everyone just if only texas a&m could have seen this before they gave this man all of this fully guaranteed money up front it's just really weird huh. and then they Should've made him hire bobby, they made him hire by petrina who's like sharpening knives in the <laughs> in the coach's <laughs> office we know bobby nothing <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> she looks like those are your backstabbing knives no no those are different knives don't ask any questions <laughs> uh, he's it's just like yeah, it's never not funny to me. Sorry. No, it's just never no. not funny. Hugh Freeze is falling on his face. Sovereign couldn't happen to a more despicable person. Um, Mizzou beat Kentucky, but everyone beats Kentucky, right? Florida? Uh, oh, did man. anyone catch Florida, <laughs> South Carolina? That I saw that game on the on the schedule. I was like, I'm not watching a second of that. I don't need to be afraid for Florida. I don't need to make myself scared. I, I don't. 
I like Spencer Rattler. I like watching Spencer Rattler play quarterback because it's just so erratic. He's either really, really great or really, really terrible. And outside of that, I, I really like Florida. Watching Florida doesn't like I'm watching somebody that's clearly going to get fired in a year and a half watching yes. Florida. Like, yeah, that, that's 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 where I'm at with Florida. I don't want to watch Florida. Because Florida, just, do you have any idea about this game? Do you know anything about it? <laughs> I do. I well, and I knew as soon as I saw South Carolina was up by double digits, I said, "That's gonna suck when they lose." It's gonna be weird. It's gonna get weird. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't even I'd matter like, about Florida. Like that's just South Carolina. Like South Carolina, that's what they they do. That decent. I'd like to read you a stat line, and I want you to guess which quarterback it was. Okay. Twenty-three of thirty for three thirteen, four touchdowns and one pick. That was Graham Mertz. That's Spencer Rattler because Graham Mertz was oh, okay. 423 yards and three touchdowns going 30 of 48. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Oh, that can't happen. Wow. It's wild, but it's true. I'm looking at the numbers in front of me. <laughs> that, that's going to start to make me look at UNC's game against them sideways a little bit and be like, whoa, where, where, where was the rest of your passing yards? <laughs> I have a Florida friend who was like two times this year. Graham Mertz is going to do something that you're not expecting, and that's one down. As long as the second one's not against Georgia, we're going to be okay. Um, that's it for this week's UD Pod. We're going to try to be back for the midweek show. Uh, it's just been life has been lifing. Lauren, will you tell everyone where they can find you and all your uh, wonderful, wonderful ACC-centered uh, musings? Um, I am doing a weekly column for the Messenger. For the about ACC football, still don't know what I'm writing about this week. Uh, gonna have to figure that out. Uh, and then, I'm also, I mean, I did last week though. I roasted them last week. I can't, I can't roast them again. But uh, yeah, and Why then not? also I'm right. I'm gonna say, well, I could. It but, does feel like their fault. I mean, it's. Ugh. But then I'm also writing for Uprox as well on Saturdays. Um, I. I feel like I'm on kind of the go ACC lowercase beat. I like yesterday I wrote about Rutgers, Michigan State, and that it was not ACC, but that was lowercase go ACC energy in that football game, and so it just felt right for me to write. Just the, like the weird random stuff that everybody ends up tweeting about, and I, I like to dive into that over at Up Rocks. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Thank you for joining us. You're really class at this podcast. Now oh, I also have a Panthers Bryce Young podcast. I have to plug that as well. Uh, Young Gun. It's our podcast we're doing about screaming into the void about this a little bit. I'm doing it with a friend who's an Alabama guy, so he loves Bryce for his reasons. And then I'm the Panthers perspective. So we uh, we we talk Bryce and Well, we're yeah, we we have lots of feelings. None of them good at this point. But yeah, that's a fun listen. That that that'd be like if I sat down with a Bears fan and talked about Justin Fields because he that's a Georgia quarterback who we let go due to racism, which I'm just and uh, and I can't get that mad publicly because Stetson won two titles. And they're like, why are you upset? I'm like, you wouldn't understand. I couldn't explain it, but it is what it is. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for joining us. Like right. I said, really class up this podcast. And there's someone else here too, I guess. Talk. Oh, yeah. It, at this point, at this point, like if you're listening to this podcast, you know where to find me. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Wow. wow. Y'all know who I am and shit. Ain't that something? Wow, every comic is someone's first comic. Some of us don't ascribe to the words of Stan Lee because we think we're better than that. That was your show. There is no outro. We'll see you guys next week.